Bonjour, buenos dias, konnichiwa, ni hao, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. This is the Right On Track podcast and you are listening to the voices of Parry, Connor and Denim. And we have another fantastic episode lined up for you today. It is the last episode of season three. No! And we are, I know, it's very sad, Connor, but yes, we have to bring this season to an end because these are the last three stories we are covering, which are Heroes, Percy James and the Fruitful Day, and Thomas and Percy's Christmas Adventure. It has been a wild ride so far. I can't wait to close it out this season. I'll tell you what, this episode particularly is going to be very interesting because I have some varying things to say about these stories. Some, oh, yes. I, some I love to bits. I could shake it and just gnaw on it all day like a dog to a bone. But... And in, in episode 24, I ranted about one good turn, and you guys, can you rant again? I have got another rant. Ooh, mm. So It's, it's going to be a sizzler. Be prepared. <laughs> but, but before we start, we would like to apologise... Because we have been a little bit slack recently on our episodes. It has been crazy, and it's nothing to do with the weather in Australia. We, uh, What happened? So our computer, or rather our hard drive, which we use to store all of our podcasting files, it disappeared on us. Yeah. And the people who managed the hard drive didn't tell us. Yeah, that, that uh, was a spanner yeah. that was thrown in the works. Mm. And then, of course, we had that mammoth episode that mm. was our last one with the Iron Engine mm. that was about 90 minutes long once it was. it was all edited, and that was longer when we recorded it. Our longest to date. And then, of course, Denim, you've had work. Connie, you're preparing for uni. I'm just trying to deal with my own life, so yeah. you know, a lot has been happening. As hard as it is to realise we do have uh, commitments outside of this podcast, which is sad. If I could only do one thing, it would be run and track, but we do have jobs. We have to pay the bills and pay the rent and keep making other radio. Pay for our membership fees that allow us to use this studio. To yeah. and, 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 you know, pay for new trains. It all comes mm. full circle. Yeah. It does. But I think we should get into the nitty-gritty of it exactly. right now. And our very first episode or story that we'll be covering today is Heroes. We've got a clip, I imagine. Yes. We? Yeah. Okay, we let, let's play a clip. This is easy, they said to each other. We know all about trucks, but I'm afraid they didn't. No need for that, shouted the trucks as the twins pushed them into place. We'll show you around. We want to help. Thank you very much, said Bill and Ben. The trucks giggled and began their tricks. Evening came. The yard was in a dreadful muddle. The twins had let the trucks tell them where to put things. Never trust trucks. No, they made... The biggest mistake of all by ignoring rule number one, Bill and Ben did. So we should probably provide some context for that oh, clip oh, rather much, than just yeah. throwing everybody into yeah. it. Um, so th- this episode, basically, Bill and Ben, they work in the clay pits. They're wonderful little clay pit twins. And everything's the same day in, day out. Same noises, same dust, same tricks. Then the Fat Controller asks them to go to Arlesborough Harbour to help out. Gordon goes, be careful, you're on the main line now. And like, oh, it's a scrapyard. And then... <laughs> One of my favourite lines of dialogue in the whole show. Oh, mm. yeah. Um, and, and So, you know, they, they turn up and he's like, oh, careful, twins, you're on the main line. And he goes, oh, when we saw you, Gordon, we thought this was the scrapyard, which is actually a reference to season two, Wrong Road. Mm. Very true. He's probably still shivered to the core by this. Oh, yes. But then, you know, they... 
need to shunt around the yard and then the, the trucks tell them to put everything in the wrong place and then they just slow Gordon down later and they listen to trucks. And that's the first half of the episode. Mm. And the second half of the episode, things do get interesting. This is where it gets very exciting because there is a rock slide and the entire mine, the entire Sodor China Clay works, just collapse. Collapses in on itself. And this was one of my favourite moments watching the show as a kid, seeing this entire mine just completely be destroyed by all these rocks and debris. It it, it is a fantastic... Fantastic sequence. Yeah, I thought you were about to say a fan favourite. Mm. It's a fan favourite as I, well. I, I, I would say definitely action-wise, especially out of everything we've seen so far, this is probably the most on-screen damage we ever see done. Mm. I feel like the reason why they had to rake this in is because we've just come off some really strong episodes. We had Bulgy prior to this. Yes. We had um, Oliver Owns Up and Escape, all action-packed episodes. So the production team are probably asking themselves, how can we top better than this? Yeah. And where can we find the money to do it? <laughs> yeah, they're probably scraping the bow by this point, but they're not because they made this excellent episode. It's a charming little episode. Um, I, I remember the very first scene that opens uh, is the China Clay Pits. Mm. And what happens is you see the twins working and all the factories are puffing smoke and you just see everything moving like it's a big industrial quarry. Mm. Mm. I said that all in one breath, so at the end I was nearly gasping there. You should have seen it. It's oh. great. <laughs> and it was, you know, it, it's a wonderful starting shot. And then we go to Arlesborough Harbour, which we have seen uh, a few times this season um, with, you know, Diesel does it again, then, yeah. All at sea, I All believe. at sea, yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. But the thing is, it also almost shares it, some of its sets with uh, Brendam mm-hmm. and Tidmouth and... So on, so it's a bit of every harbour in one. Boats travel from place to place, so that's why I assume uh, they move. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes, definitely. These are floating harbours. Yes, and the engines they get there via uh, rail, ferry, but, but via magic buffers that we're using. Thomas and the magic. I'll stop there. <laughs> Please do. Mm. <laughs> but yes, um, next day at the quarry, they're working again. Did they get punished? No, they didn't. No. It was just business as usual again. Mm. Yeah, which is strange because normally you go, you did something wrong, time to get punished, mm. or I'm going to need to punish you for that. Mm. And then all of a sudden they hear a noise that they've never heard before. Chewy? <laughs> <laughs> That was my rock side impersonation. It was very nice. <laughs> Thank you. It sounds exactly like I'm a like rock. a cat. Please don't make Down. that noise ever again. Damn boy. This isn't Cats the musical. Oh, thank goodness for that. It's oh. the movie musical. No, oh. no, please. We are not talking about that movie ever again. But, On but, this podcast or otherwise. It was a movie that happened. There it is. Mm. Yep. But um, the quarry starts collapsing. It is a brilliant sequence. It is. Mm. You know what my... Pe- particular favourite part of that sequence is the water tower coming down in slow motion and sloshing onto the rocks. I was going to say, so, rocks are falling everywhere. Buildings are being crushed by all of these rocks. And as Parry said, there is a water tower that falls and water falls everywhere. And you can actually tell uh, because of that water that the building's made out of cardboard because some of the water is absorbed by the building. Hmm. But then as this rock slide is happening and there's all this crazy destruction, 
then you have a workman go, wait for me. Mm. That's my favourite bit. But, like, the thing is, people could legitimately die here. Like, mm. I mean, we have had really, like, dangerous events so far on the show, you know. When Duck crashed through the barbers, mm. when Thomas crashed through the station masters. Which we ruined their breakfast as well. Yeah, like, I mean, he did cause a lot of damage there. But, like, I mean, that there was a good chance of surviving that, you know, because, you know, hitting the building and the building and so on. These rocks, they have absolutely demolished these buildings. And it, it's, you know... It's a rock slide. Yeah. It's dangerous. It is. It's Stay rocking. Away. It's deadly. Mm. Yeah. It's interesting looking at the set because you can see that they utilise um, the cliff sides that they use um, on Duck's branch line as the kind of walls yes. around the quarry. Um, but I think the set dressing for this episode particularly is done very well. Yeah, um, a lot of reused Tugs props, especially in the mm-hmm. harbour. I was always baffled as a kid which station it was that Gordon was waiting for his coaches. Yes. Mm. It's supposed to be Arlesborough, um, but it may be Tidmouth, it may be Brendan. They use the same. So so which end is Arlesborough? Arlesborough is up past Tidmouth, uh, near the northern end of Duck's Branch Line. Okay. It's where the little, the wee little engines are. Of the Arlesdale Railway. Mm. Mm. Who we haven't been introduced to just yet. Yes. You say just yet. We have got another 17 seasons to go. Yes. Or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think one of my favourite sets in this episode is um, the harbour. And I mm. think Mm. the contributing factors to that are the huge, tall um, factory warehouses. And there's so many different varieties of trucks around and there's the canal. Yeah, I I would say the canals are a big contributing factor to that I love the drawbridges over the canals. Oh, how Mm, good. Yeah. Yeah. But, But there is a question that is brought up in this episode for me. And it is, I hope the fat controller will understand, you know, when, when the quarry collapses. Mm. Now, we mentioned before with Mavis on how the fat controller doesn't run Mavis and mm. neither with the quarry. No, no, because in the original books, Bill and Ben are owned by the Sodor China Clay Company, which also begs the question as to why they're being used to help with shunting on, loan. on, yeah. on the other end of the railway line. I mean, that is a possibility. They were yeah. on loan, being hired by yeah. the Sodor Railway. Northwestern Railway. That's the one, thank you. All good. <laughs> They've used both names. Yeah. yeah. But it's like he doesn't own it. In fact, the only thing he's going to be worried about is what trains to schedule when he is sending lots and lots of stuff to said quarry to fix it that he's going to get money for. Mm. It works out for him. Yeah. Maybe he was a part of it. W- was he just taking a stroll and accidentally kicked a rock? Possibly. He was fed up of <laughs> Gordon being on branch lines. That's why Gordon was at Arlesborough Harbour. Oh, yeah. And he's going, I've had enough of these big engines. Kicks a rock and goes, oh, dear. What have I done? <laughs> I think that's a far-fetched and a oh, farcical yeah. notion, yeah. honestly. Mm. Why, why would you say such a thing, Denham? Oh, I don't know. I've tried to think of something, but maybe I just need to accept that it's a natural disaster. Yes, these things happen. It's yeah. you know, disasters aren't all caused by arsonists and people kicking stones. You know, yeah. sometimes they occur naturally via mm. lightning strikes or birds. Yeah, it's, it's mm. very true. Um, birds are the cause of this. <laughs> but but it's just a 
hypothetical. Like, <laughs> I know. This episode it has got that really good narration of, like, Gordon and the twins having banter. Mm. But that's got some really awkward ones, especially at the end, where the fat controller is going, you know, you need to learn more about trucks, but you're brave when we need you. Three cheers for the heroes. Hip, hip, <laughs> hooray, 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 hooray. hooray, hooray. hooray. <laughs> It's like it's funny hearing this and then George Carlin's narration because he goes hip hip hooray hooray hooray. So like George Carlin's narration is actually a lot better. Yeah, it's in interesting parts. how in the UK version they barely correlate the two events. It's like you still got a lot to learn about trucks, but you know what to do in an emergency, so that makes everything okay. Mm. Yeah, yeah. We never see them being punished, as you were saying, Connor, very early on in this discussion. We never see Bill and Ben being punished for what listening to trucks and you know leaving the yard in a mess and causing confusion and delay. A note for observation, Connor. Note if you will. It is interesting looking at this episode in retrospect. They're watching Tale of the Brave. Oh. Because these events with the quarry landslide. Yes. And Bill and Ben being celebrated for their heroism is something that is definitely a part of Tale of the Brave as well. It is uh, being reflective of its own past. Yes. So for those who don't know, Parry who haven't seen the more modern Parry movies, Parry. Uh, I get it, thank you. Tale of the Brave takes place in the quarries and it reintroduces really like the twins, the quarries and a few other uh, characters and there's a lot of landslides that occur in it. Mm. And, um, the I only twins... just thought of it. Just yeah, no, yeah, no, that's a brilliant point. And like the twins in that uh, movie are very often going, you need to be careful with rock slides. And this episode is very much a their first experience. Mm. I'm adding that to my head cannon. Head cannon. Head cannon. Head cannon. I think we've talked a lot about how the episode works situationally. We've talked a lot about the aesthetics, but we haven't talked about Bill and Ben much. Yeah. I think their characterization is definitely on point here. Like It is. Yep. They're naive towards the trucks. They've got this banter between the two of them, mm. and they've got that ongoing band with Gordon as well. Which I want to see more of. Absolutely. I think it's something that we should see way more of in the modern series. But, like, okay, ratings. Because, like, the the music's good. It's the same little ditties that we've always had. It's interesting to note, as I was reading on the um, trivia for this episode, that in the whole landslide sequence, there is a music cue that is very similar to that uh, one using tugs. Mm, really? Yeah. yeah, I'm not too sure of which one, but as I think about it, I think I've heard it in another episode. Interesting. Yes. Okay, where were we? Ratings. ratings. <laughs> okay. Ratings, ratings, ratings. Right, I'm going to jump in and, you know, take the bullet for everybody and give it an 8 out of 10. I'm going to jump in and say 7.5. I am going to slide my way in there and say a 9 out of 10. Okay, so we all enjoy it. Yeah. Some yeah. of us more than others, but yeah. still, it's a good solid episode. We particularly love the set decoration. We've all agreed on that. Yep, the we- the action sequence was well done. Narration. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do we call this one a classic? Yes. Yeah, yeah. of course it is. This it's is a classic. season three episode. Of course yeah. it is. This is classic. It is. I think this is one of the first VHSs I owned. So it was one I watched in high rotation. So it's definitely ingrained into my Thomas psyche. Same here. It's funny you mentioned the first VHSs you owned because the next episode we cover was actually the very first episode 
on one of my favourite VHSs that I owned, and that episode is Percy James and the Fruitful Day. Okay, so what is happening in this clip, Denim? So in this clip, James has been sent to Arlesboro Harbour again, where he is to collect a train of fresh fruit for market. James arrived at the harbour. It was market day. The harbour yard was filled with the sweet smell of fruit from far away lands. The fruit was delivered in big ships. James watched as strawberries, oranges, melons and bananas were carefully loaded into his trucks. Then he set off for the station on the main line. On the way, he met Thomas. Really reliable, that's me. Panted James proudly. Pity the same can't be said for Percy. Peep, peep. Goodbye. What was that about? Gasped Annie and Clarabelle. That was trouble. Trouble for James. Just wait and see. I'm sure it will be. Now, James was mentioning Percy in that clip there. Early on in the episode, we saw the two of them have a little bit of conflict in which Percy was running late and James goes, well... That's no excuse, Percy. You know, yeah. we're the Fat Controller's engines. Really useful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Mm. <sighs> I love James's Series 3 voice. It, mm. I, I feel as obnoxious as it is, it really brings out his sort of attitude. His really narcissistic side, it, it, you it's, say. It's, it's perfect. I love it. Mm. Now, Percy, James and the Fruitful Day, it is a magazine story, or adapted from one. It was written by Andrew Brenner, and it is just a single magazine story. Yes. This is a first for season three. There it's a go. magazine story adapted from not two... But one story. And before you actually say it, I would like to add an addendum to Heroes that is also based on magazine stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, uh, Heroes is based on In a Muddle and Heroes by Andrew Brenner. Mm. Addendum. Now, what's this one based on? So, this one is based on Percy Gets Jammed. By who? By Andrew Brenner. I never knew. Mm. And as with all the previous episodes in this series, he's never credited. No. Mm. He's like a, a ghost writer. An he, it, unsung hero of season three. Mm. Uh, well, series three. Series three, season three, whatever. Yeah. Well, wh- wherever you are in the world, it's what you say. But how this episode basically plays out is that Percy and James have a bit of an argument, then all of a sudden James's brakes gets jammed. And I love that little bit of a repetition there with James and Jam. Anyways. <laughs> and lots of fruit puns as well. Oh, yeah, tons of fruit puns. So once James is in this sticky situation, Percy then uh, goes along and pushes uh, the rest of James's train without James, pushes from behind, which is very strange because Mm. that's often what we see in shunting. But this, I think, is the first time we've properly seen a full-on train. Mm. Um, And there's a very good reason why trains pull from the front rather than push from behind, as this episode emphasises. But... Um, actually, on that quick note of Annie and Clarabelle, Annie and Clarabelle, this is their only speaking role in season three. No way. Their only individual speaking role. Botheration. How about that? And what's particularly 
amusing, for want of a better word, about their scene is that they're both buffered up. They're both facing forward, they're so to in speak. in individual sightings, mm-hmm. and Thomas is on the line. Yes. Not I in... want to know what's going on here. It's mm. never explained. And it's like, it's a nice little shot, I guess, but it's like... It's a line out in the middle of nowhere as well. It's not in a shunting yard or anything like that. It's just yeah. like a branch line with some flowers around it. Percy is pushing all these uh, fruit trucks forward Mm. when he hits a pair of buffers because he can't see that they've been switched. And he just goes straight into the nearest van and he gets squashed fruit all over him as well as some lime cordial by the looks of it. Actually, it is uh, dishwashing. Uh, oh, so, so that green liquid we're yep. seeing on Percy's face, that's dishwashing the one that liquid. Goes, yeah. It sounds like a tugboat. Yeah. 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 Anyways, and then uh, the fat controller comes along. You're not to blame for the points failure, but, you know. Well, I don't run a jam factory, Percy. Yeah, and it's like, he's not at fault here. Why yeah. are you then ridiculing yeah, I him? I know. It's just... Topsy turvy, so top him hat. And 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 then the He's episode. He's had so much jam himself. <laughs> yes, I would say and, so. And then and then the episode ends at Tidmouth Sheds, and it's the wonderful look of Tidmouth Sheds, my mm. personal favourite, with the industrial steam channel ducts, mm-hmm. and it's even got like the little like workshop tables behind the engines. Yes, nice little details there, mm. and, and it's a nice episode, like. I used to have a two-hour party DVD of Thomas, a nice little yellow case, and a whole bunch of episodes from series two to four on it. And what I really enjoyed was that inside the little VHS cover, it also had ingredients on how to make, like, special Thomas cookies or whatever. Mm, oh, yeah. Mm, it was, like, mm. soda something cakes. But this episode I have got very strong emotions about because I have got that wonderful feeling and this nice little branch line that we never see again. It's such a beautiful little place. Mm. It's got flowers. It's a single line. And for some reason, rant incoming, it's got the sturdiest pair of buffers on the island. It really does. I mean, the truck doesn't disintegrate when it hits the buffers. and The yet buffers Percy goes, do not move. And then Percy goes through a truck at the back. It's like... So, oh, oh, he's getting serious here. He just hit the table. I've got notes. Okay. Okay. So, this is the sturdiest pair of buffers on the island of Sodor. So, for some reason, it is literally just a box with stones in it. And if this amazing pair of buffers was put in front of the station masters, in front of the barbers, a lot more dangerous accidents could be avoided. Mm. Yet instead, they are here on this tiny little branch line that we never see again. Nothing else is mentioned. There's only one single line next to this siding, which means that there can only be one train running on it at one time, which means that it can't have big, heavy, long express trains, while these yards at Knapford and Tinmouth and Crosby will have high, heavy, long express goods, whatever, going through them and may need to be diverted in those sightings with lollipop sticks. Lollipop sticks? Yeah, lollipop sticks. Okay. They don't even deserve a proper name. <laughs> the thing is, is that these buffers, like, like, <laughs> why haven't these been used before? Yeah, I agree. Do you need a fire extinguisher, Connor? Because you, you, <laughs> you just absolutely... I'm all puffed up. Okay. In the smoke box. <sighs> uh, so you agree, Denim? I do. This episode, it looks nice. Mm. It's beautiful. 
but not a lot really makes sense to me. I think the only takeaway I have from this episode Don't is deal with fruit. That, and uh, there's one line of dialogue that Percy says... Uh, where he says, there's no time to delay. James has done too much of that already. That's just like a apply aloe vera onto your arm and feel mm, the burn. Mm. Um, everything else, from a set point of view, it's nice. The buffers, I think we've covered that. But I, uh, I, we haven't mentioned the music stupid. yet. Um, do you mind? Because no, the no. the music is wonderful. Yes. I mean, we've got the, a... Uh, the music's okay. Oh, come on. I, the music's good. Okay. That's slightly better, but you know. Uh, so in the harbour, we have James. He's doing his work to the tune Which of the... Which I, I, I may bring up mm-hmm. is the same tune that he's using better late than never, yes. which is revived for season three. Oh! Yes, it is the viaduct theme, which has been re-orchestrated. Hashed. Yes, there's another word. Yeah. Re-orchestrated. Re-or- re-orchestrated slash rehashed for season three. And then, of course, we have the danger theme mixed with Percy's theme as he's heading towards the buffers. Yes. I really love that one. Yeah, that that is really nice. Mm. And I will also add with the little harbour shot that we do get to see lots of cranes moving stuff mm. going up and down. Which Fruit is... spinning and yeah. hitting the James ground. James the only engine there. That, well, that confuses me. Well, the harbour's quite big. Yeah. They could be anywhere. But you never see them. Well, yeah, but they're supposed to Can you to two be... please stop picking holes in this episode? <laughs> no, no, it's no. It's a good I, one. No, I do enjoy this cheese. episode apart from that one pair of buffers, but I do like the episode. There are a few other interesting things about this. One, it is the very first instance of be quiet used Mm. uh, instead of shut up because shut up is apparently bad. That's naughty. Yeah, it's naughty. It is naughty. Yeah. What what are you two saying? (laughs) No, no, I'm talking about shut up and how they actually got a whole bunch of, like, emails and letters saying... Did email exist in 1991? It did, Uh, thanks to my time travel. Actually, 1992. This was released. Well, still, still, of July. still, still, okay, yeah, my okay, point still stands. Okay, 1991, yes, it existed. Or at least fax. Oh, imagine, Do you want me to say telecom? Imagine sending telegrams? an angry fax to the producers of a children's television. <laughs> you'd, really, you'd really need to be detailed for this. Yes. You'd be like, oh, I'm angry. And then you're like writing it out. Yeah, I'm still probably angry. Mm. Then like you go to the fax machine. Yeah, yeah, I'm angry. Mm. You know, you put in the numbers... Yeah, I'm angry. You put it in, and then it's like by this point you're fuming. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm at, like, like you've dedicated so much time to this. Yeah. Um. I I want angry faxes now. Mm. I want to set up a fax machine just so I can get angry faxes. Mm. So it will only work for other people that have fax machines. Uh no. Emails can also be sent to certain fax machines oh, okay. during that little transition era. I'll send them to my spam. Oh, brilliant. But. There's also a brilliant point, and we did mention this before. The fact controller says, um, <clears throat> you're not to blame for the points failure, Percy. Glares at denim. Hi, I'm a qualified signalman. <laughs> <laughs> qualified, yes. Well, it might not have even been the signalman's fault. It might have been that some kid jammed the points. Well, you know what's interesting? There is no signal box in sight, which may come to the assumption that... It's the- a good... St- line or something like that? Either that or yeah. there's just um, point levers somewhere mm. nearby. But even if that's the point, well, e- even if that is the case of the points, the point is is that you would still need to stop at the 
points in order to switch them, which would mean they would need to automatically be set before he got there. And then at that rate, because it's a siding, don't all sidings have a sign that have dead end? We're getting really pedantic now. I have a theory. Okay, theory, man. I have a theory. It that... better not be that these buffers are the old magic buffers. No, 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 no. <laughs> I have a theory that James was not supposed to go down his branch line and he stopped and broke down. And purposely? This, yeah. Well, not purposely. He just ended up here because it was away from the main line that he was on. And oh. this was perhaps the line used by Hero. Oh. Hero, the lost engine who appears much later in the series. Which yes, is why we never see him on the, the main rails. line. Yeah, That line is apparently near uh, Duke and Ju- Duchess Summer House uh, of Boxford. Uh, which is near Marin Station, we I We haven't been introduced to any of these characters yeah, yet. Yeah, I know. We're, we're, we're planting the seeds. Okay. Apparently he was on Sodor long ago, and this branch line he has was, been closed for a long time. He's the oldest engine on Sodor, apparently. According to him, though. Yeah. But, but, but we know Glyn and his brothers are the but, oldest. But I, I, I do understand where you're coming from there on how this may be a line not fit for it, and that would explain the points failure. Um. It doesn't explain the sudden drop in buffer quality since this line was built, but, you know. Maybe there's one person who thinks maybe one day a train will come, so I'm going to look after these buffers until then. There's just an obsessed buffer man there polishing it. (laughs) Hey, my name's Doug, and I like buffers. (laughs) Ratings. Thankfully, we're getting to that now. Okay. (laughs) My rating would be... Be, you know, I'm going to listen to you two, first of all. You know, I want to hear what you two have to say. Well, like, I mean, apart from the buffers, I do really like this episode. I Like, I have got very strong childhood emotions from it, purely because it was so colourful. You had all the fruit, you have got all the flowers everywhere, then you've got a little bit of interesting dialogue, especially all the fruit puns, and then you've got just some bit of slapstick there with the... When Percy's getting covered in fruit. So I'm going to give this a a seven. It's not heroes, but it's close. Denim. Hmm. I feel like I've come off a high with Bulgy and heroes, Mm. and I'm wanting more. And I'm just munching my way through series three, going, yes, give me that. But I've just come down. I feel like we've come back down to Thomas gets bumped and Edward, Trevor, and the really useful party. Yes, I don't really like that episode much. So I know, I know, it aches me to do this because I know people like this episode. That's no discouragement to you. Hound, hound, but before you say that, you did say that we have come from a good high. So I'm going to reduce this down to a six. Okay. Okay. Is this as bad as Edward Trevor and the Really Useful Party? I was going to say 2.5. What? Uh. <laughs> what? Yeah, this episode doesn't do it for me. Oh, okay, right, okay. I'm giving it a 9 out of 10, all right? Okay. I really enjoy this. This is, like, <laughs> okay, one Mr. of the best... <laughs> this, is, this is, like, the most widespread score we've ever had. <laughs> this is one of the most enjoyable episodes of Season 3 and one of the most enjoyable overall. It's an absolute classic... And I love I it. I like seeing you getting passionate about mm. this. 
Honestly. We should see you rant more often. You will one day. <laughs> Not about this, but about something entirely okay. else. Anyways, uh, right now, as we try and mend the... Re- well, I try and mend the relationship between... Denim and Parry here. Well, I'm fine. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> uh, we're going to be asking ourselves, what is love? With a What is Love Thomas cover in our musical interlude by Thomas Tank.
That was Thomas the Tank's cover of Hadaway's absolute classic Eurobeat song, What Is Love? Of course, done in the style of season three Thomas and Friends soundtrack. Uh, after that break, are we feeling a little more calm? No. No? No. Yes. Okay, well, two out of three is not bad. Yeah, okay. We'll, we'll chug along to the end of series three. With it's, our final episode. Yeah. Series three. It's 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 a bittersweet moment, isn't it? it? It is. It's bittersweet, and it's got a little bit of controversy around it as well. Yeah. So, what is it, Denim? This is Thomas Percy's Christmas... Mountain. Thomas and Percy's Christmas... Mountain. Thomas and Percy's Mountain Adventure. Christmas Adventure. But a week later, the storms came. The island was covered with thick snow. The engines found work difficult. Some had to help clear snow from the track and workmen hacked away at the frozen banks of ice. So it's snowing heavily on Sodor. And this is Thomas and Percy's Christmas adventure in the UK. Mountain adventure in the US. Yes, and the reason why it's called the mountain adventure in the US is because... When they did the American dubbing, it became a Thanksgiving story. Yes. Which is because the episode of Shining Time Station it was a part of was a Thanksgiving episode, and that was the episode that would slot in nicely. Okay. Which doesn't make sense at all. And we'll, we'll no, go. no, it does. It makes perfect sense. I mean, if you're having a oh, Shining yeah. Time Station Thanksgiving episode, it makes sense to have a Thanksgiving-related Thomas and Friends story to go along with it. Do because you know, they do... already had a Christmas episode of Thomas oh, yeah. and Shining yeah. Time, mm. which I'm pretty sure was um, Thomas and Missing Christmas Tree. Mm. And they did the same with um, Series 1, Title Escapes Me, mm. Never Mind. Mm. Oh, uh, you mean Thomas's Christmas adventure? Oh, uh, Thomas's Christmas party. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Good episode. Oh yeah, but do you know? Do you guys know when uh, Thanksgiving is in the US? Yes, I do. It is the fourth Thursday of November every year. Yes, and in nineteen ninety-three, when this episode was released in the US, it was held on November twenty-fifth. Excellent. Oh, yeah. Nice. Except this episode as a standalone was released in April 21st, 1993. But don't worry, (sighs) the Shining Time episode was released the 7th of May, 1993. Nowhere near Thanksgiving. Okay. (laughs) Right. It was titled Billy's Party, um, and it was a Thanksgiving episode. Held in May. Does that mean the episode is set in May? Well, it can't be set in May because Sodor's in the Northern Hemisphere and it doesn't snow in autumn. There you go. No, not autumn, spring, spring. Yes, but then why are you having... Then why are these engines celebrating Thanksgiving when it is... I'm sorry, I think we're getting completely sidetracked Yes, this isn't even the episode. This is about the, the, the release and on how... Actually, I'll just get this out of the way now... They cut a tiny part out of the episode, which was really nice and sweet, in the US dub, 
because it didn't fit the Thanksgiving theme and because of that, it is the shortest US dub Thomas episode out there. Is it because they cut out the Christmas bit where they were receiving Christmas presents? No, they cut out the bit where Thomas and Percy are talking about Santa Claus and funnels. Ah. They did. They kept all the bit with them receiving presents, including the Christmas tree. Right. Because that makes sense. Yes. But let's talk about this episode before we get on this any longer, because there will be tens of thousands of comments on this if we don't keep quiet about it. They're already starting. I know. Whoa, do you see that below? America, we love you. But seriously, Thanksgiving, (laughs) explain yourselves. Yes. But um, we are thankful for you and this episode, which is a really nice way to end season three. Mm. I like it. I like it. Okay. Uh, it, it's nice, I guess. Are you going to give this a 2.5? No, because I'm not a complete and utter... I'm just going to say swear word there, but I better not. <laughs> yes. Beep. Yeah. I triggered him. Yes. <laughs> yes, you did. So, uh, how that? would you like to give a synopsis of this episode? Oh, I would love to, Connor. Thank you for very... Thank you very... Very kindly for offering that That's all good. opportunity to me. What are you thankful for, Denim? <laughs> I'm thankful for Thomas the Tank Engine and all his friends. Brilliant. Okay. So Thomas and Percy's Christmas Adventure, as we heard in the clip, snow has befallen Sodor, and because there's so much snow, there is a mountain village which has been trapped by the stuff, and it's up to Thomas, Percy, and Terence the Tractor to clear the snow so that the supplies and food and Christmas presents can all get through to the villagers. Yeah. And then Percy and Thomas have a discussion about Santa Claus and then Toby, uh, in the dead of night, goes into the village and as a way of thanking the engines for all their hard work, they fill Henrietta with presents and Toby then gifts them to the engines who are sleeping in Tidmouth Sheds and then they wake up to this magnificent... Freshly painted shed, shed decorated with, with lots presents. of presents, which uh, befuddles me slightly because. Oh, yeah, I've got a note here about it. <clears throat> how, how did they not notice people walking through the doors, putting the presents down, and then painting everything? So, overnight, the shed has been repainted, decorated with all these Christmas cards and mm. pictures and paintings hanging everywhere. Presents have been put up everywhere, including a Christmas tree. There were lights all over the place, and not one engine woke up for a second. Mm. Mm. Like, I mean... Completely illogical. It doesn't make sense. And, like, that is probably the most befuddling part about this episode. Mm. But I mean, they worked very hard that day. Yeah, yes, they did work very hard. They were in a very deep sleep that day. Nice. (laughs) Well, it was day, and then they went to sleep. But, um... This has got a few really nice shots. It does. I mean, of course, it's Sodor in the snow, and we all love seeing that. We love the snow. We get to see a Scottish twin working. We have a fantastic shot of James trying to pull some tar wagons out. Such a nice shot. He's lightly dusted with snow, and Mm. his wheels are just slipping. And he doesn't have a face mask on. He doesn't, which is a really interesting point. Oh, Mm. thank goodness I didn't turn the camera around. That would be... James, could you look towards the camera? Oh, goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but one of my favourite shots of this episode is when we see this village that we're introduced to at the start uh, in the nice, wonderful summer. You know, we see Bertie going around and then they have the exact same shot 
but it just transitions to snow. Mm, it's beautiful. It's a nice little fade. And then Thomas like, oh, I'll come back later with lots of presents and letters. You'll enjoy it. And then a storm comes and then they're all talking about, you know, snow and letters and Percy feels left out, but then Thomas feels left out and Percy delivers mail and he can't get through. And then what I feel is probably one of the biggest... Um, I would say positives of this episode is because every season finale so far, I felt it it has missed a little bit of something. So Thomas's Christmas party, it was they're all helping this nice old lady, and they have got you know Thomas, Percy, Toby, Henrietta, and Terence all for this one nice lady. I love Mrs. Kindly. She's kind. She goes well. Yeah. But the thing is, is that that's... I'm sorry, she goes well? I mean, she has a good reputation. Yeah, she goes well. Okay. Oh, I've well, never, oh, well, oh, well. I, I've never heard it phrased that way before, but... Don't, don't. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing between me and Mrs. Kindly. I should hope not. <laughs> Particularly because she's a fictitious character. What? <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, you were saying? Continue. Yeah, no, I did not say that's about my lover. <laughs> but, um, and, and, you know, you have got a lot of effort to help this one nice lady. Another one, Thomas has gone missing with a tree. Engines go retrieve him. Hip, hip, hooray. They are really nice episodes, except this one, I feel, has got that bit of urgency to it because it is an entire village that has been trapped off from the outside world. So there is some urgency of they may not get any food. They may run out of supplies if needed. And then add to it the fact on how Percy goes and gets Harold and then Thomas comes in to help and then Terence comes in to help. And it seems like they're just getting a whole bunch of these characters, some who haven't had enough screen time, into the limelight to help with the great finale. It feels like a bit of a revisitation of the previous two specials. In Series 1, we had Terence come along to help. Yes. In Series 2, Harold was there who brought Father Christmas. Exactly. And now they've all come together and to save Ofsted. To add to it... We have got Thomas and Percy at the start, and then Toby comes along as well to help out the end when he brings all the passengers there. So it really feels like a nice little combination of the past two episodes, the the, the finales, the best parts of them, into this wonderful finale, this special, mm. this adventure. Mm. Not specifying what type, US and UK fans... And adventure it's tapped off with a lovely, I don't know, like like I, I was about to say a Christmas wrapping, but then you just said that statement mm. because of the way that it's been decorated in the shed and it's all lovely. Yeah, it's decorated in the shed completely for Christmas. Like there's a Christmas tree. You can't really go, what's for Thanksgiving, Denim and Parry? Mm. I've got you the Christmas tree this year. Who mm. wants to cut it? Mm. I've got the turkey. <laughs> like, I mean, the turkey's come down the chimney. It's all messed up. It's probably worth saying that Thanksgiving and Christmas are pretty much the same celebration. It's just that one has pine trees and gift-giving and the other doesn't. Mm. Like, yeah. I, I know nothing about Thanksgiving because, you know... Well, let me educate you. <laughs> okay. Ed- can I say that line again? 
Yeah, sure. No, you're just, no I don't nah. gonna bother anyway. Nah, you're nah, just nah, gonna nah, leave nah, it in nah, there. Nah, nah. Educate me. You promise? Promise. Okay. Let me educate you, Connor. It was in the 1800s during the American Civil War that President Abraham Lincoln announced that the day of thanks, that is where you give thanks, Thanksgiving, would be on the fourth Thursday of every November to make sure that Americans were thankful for living in America and other stuff. Yeah. There you go. Right. Mm. Like, it has got really nice actual uh, beginnings. I like Mm. that. Thank you. So, yeah, it is kind of like Christmas, but without the Christian connotations. It has got some wonderful narration, such as the cut part in the the US or the part that's kept in the UK dub of Thomas and Percy talking about Father Christmas and... It's like, oh, they drop uh, presents down chimneys. Then Percy looks up at his funnel. I wonder if... No, (laughs) No, 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 no. Chimneys, not funnels. It's, again, it's the scarf issue. It's just repeating itself. It is. It's come full circle. It has. That is another nice note because that was the very first episode of season three. Blanketed in snow. I know. Thinking about things that engines shouldn't think about. With funnels. Yeah. This is really nice. It, like, it does feel like it is wrapping it all up perfectly. Like ha, the, ha, Christmas pun. Well done. That wasn't a pun. <laughs> that was just a slip of the tongue. Well, thank you. Well done Take anyway. Take credit. Yes. I am thankful. But, um, like, the others, they were a nice way to end it. But this does feel like that it is getting everything together, all for the big, you know, the... Uh, jazz kick line at the end it almost feels like mm. yeah okay yeah. oh also this is the final appearance of Arlesborough Harbour the harbour that we've been discussing no! and loving until until mm. uh, Sodor's Legend of Lost Treasure oh I don't care about that series though. 18 oh <laughs> whoa <laughs> I really brought the mood down there didn't I <laughs> do, do you hear that Parry do you oh. hear the pitchforks and flames? Faintly, yes. Yeah, faintly. It's because we're in a soundproof studio. I can't oh, yeah, exactly definitely, hear it. Okay. Definitely. They're still trying to find me from last week. <laughs> <laughs> They'll get there eventually. Eventually. All right, shall we move on to our ratings, ratings for this particular episode? And then ratings for season three? Yes. Mm. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. So, ratings for this episode, I'm going to give it a nice 8.5. You know? Uh, 8.5 for the US, 9 for the UK. Oh, okay. But because it is missing that extra bit of narration in the US. Okay, that's fair. Denim? I'm going to slip, slop, slide my way in there like a bottle of sunscreen and give it a 9 out of 10. Okay. I'm going to give it a 6. I'm trying to get that image out of my head. A (laughs) 6? Wait, what? 6. I'm giving it 6 out of 10. Yeah, it just... Doesn't move me as much as the other episodes do. That's fair. I mean, yeah. it's, it's the other got, two episodes were moving. Yeah, it, it does some nice things, and but yeah, it just like it's not a favorite of mine. Really, the, the thing that really like tops off this episode for me is seeing Toby just trundle silently mm. through the snow. In this, there's a brilliant Christmas Toby ditty that they play oh. there. A wonderful little mishmash, and yeah. I love it. Yeah, me too. 
we're at the end. We're at the end. End of the road. And you did promise, Connor, you know, ratings overall for season three. Yes. Um, looking back at the episodes we've covered, including the ones in this particular episode, I would be inclined to give season three an eight out of ten. I think it's just got so many classic episodes, so many I watch over and over again, so many I look forward to watching on mm. occasion. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking through this list here. We've got, you know, Percy's Promise, Famous Visitor... Henry's Forest, you know, Trust Thomas, Mavers, Buzz Buzz. Like, if you want a whole bunch of penultimate episodes, like, if someone says classic, this feels classic, classic. Yes, any one of these episodes you could put onto a classic compilation. Exactly. They're that good. And the thing is, it's like, I always consider series one to three to be classic, classic. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, Series 4 is, like, classic because that's when it starts introducing mm. the narrow gauge engines and they start branching off a bit more. Yeah. While Series 1 to 3 is just this small little world of this railway. That's very true. So, for ratings for Series 3, I'm going to give it a a 9.5. Ooh, okay. It's my favourite so far. Right, Denim? Yeah, I feel like we've come a long way since Series 2 and Series 2 left it off really high. Yeah. I think it really set the expectation. It's because we go up and down. Like, like We do, yeah. I, I've noticed that what happens is we start a series with really high ratings then they dip down in the middle as we start to go, ooh, we need to, like, we're going to keep go up if we stay like this. And then near the end, they go back up again. Mm. So what are you going to give this? Across this whole season, it's so different from where it started to where it finished. We have two different budgets for production. Yep. We have a whole new range of characters, a whole new range of locations. Sodor is feeling bigger than ever, mm. and a lot is going on. There's a really interesting new influence on the writing, which will come back in future, and some episodes in this season are the best of the best, as you both said. They're absolute classics and are considered classics in any Thomas fans right. So for that I'm going to give it a 9.8. It is my favourite season and it is often the one I would go towards um, when I want to watch Thomas. Wow. Yeah. And that brings us to the end of Series 3 of Thomas the Tank Engine and Friends. Mm -hmm. And therefore, that brings us to the end of Season 3 of Right on Track. I know. Like, so wow. Yeah, three seasons down and, what, 21 to go? Yes, this has been Episode 24. Mm -hmm. And we've got about 21 more seasons to go. So, it so feels a bit peculiar, though. Like, it we're does. slowly ticking them off the list. Mm -hmm. we're, we're, we're getting through them faster than they're being released, so... That's, that's always a good sign. Yeah. But, yes, if you want to join into our conversation of Right on Track, you can reach out to us on our various social media, such as Twitter, at OnTrackThomas. On Instagram, at TTT 
E underscore right on track. And at our Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash right on track Thomas podcast. And uh, Denim, you, of course, have set us up an email account. You can find us at right on track Thomas at gmail.com. Please send us an email. Yes, and you can always have a look uh, for uh, little updates and bios about us on the SYN website, syn.org.au. And then you can do like go to online and podcasts and you'll find us easily. And of course, we're always on Omni, Spotify, iTunes. We're, we're everywhere, man. We're like the plague. Yeah. You can't get rid of us. We're spreading. We're, we're a good plague, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're very the, the, nice. The one you want to keep around. Yes. And look forward to all brand new stuff in Season 4. Mm-hmm. We are going bigger. We're going better with more guests, more little tricks, more little details. Yeah, I'm getting bigger as well. I think I need to slow down. Yeah, <laughs> honestly. It's all that jam, mate. You start the rock slide. I Anyways, <laughs> so for episode 25 or the start of season 4, what episodes will we be covering? So we'll be introducing everybody to the Skarloey Railway with Grandpa Sleeping Beauty, Bulldog and You Can't Win. Well, of sorts, really. So we're not yeah. fully introduced to those narrow gauge engines, but no. we're getting there. The Sodor Midland Railway. I beg your pardon. If you, if yes, you, that is I the correct. correct title. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. Or, at, or it's also known as the MSR, the Mid-Sodor Railway. It, yeah. it goes by the Midland Sodor Railway or the Mid-Sodor Railway. But, yes, thank you, everyone, for joining us for the end of Season 3 of Right on Track. And thank you very much for supporting us throughout the season and all the bumps and all the difficulties we've been through. Yeah, we've oh, yeah. really appreciated just the camaraderie of everybody who listens and... It is very touching and we're very thankful. Yes, but we love you all also very much. So till next time, I'm still Connor. I'm still Parry. And I'm still Denim. Adios, guys. Farewell.